If you enjoy Champions for Children, be sure to check out the new podcast from Nemours Children's Health, Well Beyond Medicine. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts or at NemoursWellBeyond.org to continue hearing the stories of anything and everything related to the 80% of child health impacts that occur outside the doctor's office. And now, the episode of Champions for Children you requested. Enjoy! Welcome to the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. I'm Carol Vassar. This Thanksgiving week, we are talking about food and gratitude. We begin two months back at the recent 18th birthday celebration of Jacksonville twins Lily and Will Moore. Lily, Will, and friends ate dinner, then headed to the Daly's Place Amphitheater in downtown Jacksonville to see the Zac Brown Band live in concert. Post-pandemic excitement made the occasion even more festive. But as with any story, there's a twist. Will Moore takes us back to that night in October 2021. We met at our house before and you catered some Chipotle there. The only place actually I could eat at. So we catered that and and I had that. And then we were on our way to the concert. And I think you noticed first that my face was really red, like cherry red for, you know, really weird. And I hadn't felt anything at that point. And I said, oh, it's probably fine. Don't worry about it. Um, because I just want to go to this concert because, you know, it was my 18th birthday. I was really excited. All my friends were there, my sister. And then as time progressed, we were on our way and I just kind of, I kind of knew what was happening. I just felt worse and worse. My, you know, I was having trouble breathing. Um, I was actually getting hives on my arms, standard, standard stuff for an anaphylactic reaction. And then by the time we got there, I, I sat, I sat with my dad for a while and I was like, maybe it's just something little. I took some Benadryl, waited to see if it was going to go away. It only got worse. So then, you know, I went ahead and, and used my EpiPen and then ended up actually spending the night at the hospital instead of at the concert. What was happening was an anaphylactic reaction to something he ate earlier in the evening, Related to a known chronic condition Will was diagnosed with at the age of 13. Eosinophilic esophagitis. That's Will's mom, Laura Moore. She's an APRN by training and was at the concert that night with the twins and their friends. Eosinophilic esophagitis, or EOE, is a condition the Moore family knows all too well. Will and his 12-year-old brother, Charlie, have been diagnosed with EOE, though each presented with the condition at different ages and with differing symptoms, as we'll soon learn. According to the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology, EOE is a recognized chronic immune condition of the esophagus. The esophagus is the tube that sends food from the mouth to the stomach. In EOE, large numbers of white blood cells called eosinophils are found in the inner lining of the esophagus. Eosinophils can release substances into surrounding tissues that cause inflammation. Now, normally there are no eosinophils in the esophagus. A person with EOE will have increased numbers of eosinophils and chronic esophageal inflammation. 
infants and toddlers refusing to eat or not gaining weight could be candidates for an EOE diagnosis. If undiagnosed, teens and adults with EOE may experience decreased appetite, recurring abdominal pain, and trouble swallowing caused by that inflamed esophagus. Will's EOE journey begins with food allergies, discovered when he was one and a half years old. Here's Laura Moore. Will uh, was diagnosed with food allergies to eggs when he was about 18 months old, so he's always had food allergies. And then when he turned 13, he started having reactions to foods that he was always able to eat, so foods that had always been safe for him. And he started having anaphylactic reactions. And they always occurred in the evening. Fortunately, he was always at home, but they were to foods, like I said, that were safe to him before. So he had, I think, four EpiPens in a period of about four months over a summer. And we had gone to the doctor several times and they said, I guess he must be developing a new allergy. And then we saw a doctor in Atlanta, a specialist who was an allergist, and he said, I think he has eosinophilic esophagitis. And I said, no, his, his younger brother has that. And it's very different than the symptoms that Will was presenting with. And he said, do you have a gastroenterologist? And I said, yes, we do. Dr. Franchosi, who's at Nemours, who we had met 10 years earlier with Charlie, uh, my youngest son. And so we reached out to Dr. Franchosi and he did an endoscopy on Will. And indeed, Will did have a very severe case of eosinophilic esophagitis. What did you have to do at that point to figure out what was safe to eat? It was essentially trial and error, basically. I mean, they call them, you know, food trials, but basically what you do is you go into your doctor and you get an endoscopy and they look at your numbers. And if your numbers are at an okay level, then you can try a new food or add a new food back to your diet. Basically, you choose a food that you want to eat or one that, you know, you or your doctor thinks might not be a trigger for you and you eat it for a period of time and then you come back and have another scope and then read those numbers and then you know whether you can eat that food or not. And sometimes it was really obvious. Like I know when I tried gluten, I think I immediately knew when I was eating it, like, I don't feel good. I'm having these stomach aches all the time. I, I can't swallow stuff. My throat is closing up. Um, and other times, like I think with peanuts was one of those for me. I had no idea it was, it was happening and I was eating peanuts and I felt totally fine externally. But then I went in for the scope and they were like, your numbers are really high and you stop eating this. So it's basically trial and error. And there's a lot of other things. Um, there's some new biologics and stuff coming out that people think can help. So, I mean, it's, it's really just a pretty new disease. So it's interesting and a little bit scary to be, to be kind of one of the first generations to have it. The food trials that Will's talking about take three months. So it's really a long process of starting a new food. So yeah. the food that they will has to talk with the doctor and come up with the food that they feel like will be the less allergenic type of food for him like he was discussing peanuts, that was one he was able to try. And he ate the peanuts for three months. It was very exciting for us to be able to include peanut butter and peanuts after his sports activities. And then to have those extra calories was really important for him. People with EOE are often have issues gaining weight and, you know, don't have as many calorie options that other people do. So having that extra calorie food item was great. 
So he ate the food for three months. He felt fine, didn't have any of these symptoms, and then went in for the upper endoscopy with Dr. Franchosi and had the biopsies done. And those biopsies came back again with very high eosinophil counts in the esophagus. And so that was a food that he failed. So that food had to come out of his diet. So we all kind of cheered for the three months when he was able to eat the peanuts. And then he said, you know, okay, now the peanuts are done. So there's a lot of highs and lows to this disease for children, Uh, you know, adding foods in, taking foods away. And when Will was initially diagnosed, uh, they took away all the top eight allergens and also other foods that are common to be allergic to with EOE. So Will's diet is very, very limited. And he plays um, soccer, runs about five miles a day with soccer. So he has to work very hard on um, making sure he has enough calories in his diets with the foods that he is able to eat. So with every single food, you had to go through this process? Every single food. Mm -hmm. And as he gets older, you know, it's a little frightening as a parent because he's 18. He is leaving for college in the fall. And so it was my goal to keep moving forward, moving forward, moving forward with the hopes that we would find a food that was safe for him to add back into his diet. Because, of course, this type of food challenge would be hard for him to do alone while in college with the risk of having an allergic reaction, leaving school to have endoscopies, you know, all that goes along with diagnosing and, and maintaining this this chronic illness. Eating food involves dimensions beyond the simple act of ingestion. Whether at home or in public, consuming food is a social act, a way of bonding with family, friends, neighbors, and a significant part of a teenager's life. Teenage culture is going out and eating with your friends and things. And you don't really think about how much socially is based around food, but it's a lot, you know? So it's been difficult, especially from the beginning, but as I've kind of progressed through my middle and high school years, I've gotten a group of friends who I've kind of been able to explain what EOE is and why I can't eat certain foods. And they've been pretty accepting of it. And even, I mean, even to the point where sometimes they'll be like, well, are you sure you can eat that? And, you know, so I think the key to that, at least for me, has been really just being open about it and, and explaining, you know, why I bring a lunchbox when we're eating out everywhere. It, it's definitely a little daunting socially meeting new people and explaining it to them. But usually it, it, it goes pretty smoothly and no one has a problem with it. So it's just kind of one of those things that I have to do and live with. And In order to live. Yeah. In order to live. Basically. Will has an incredible group of friends that he's been with for a long time, and they're all very understanding. Uh, Chipotle is a restaurant that Will's been able to eat. It's the only restaurant where he can eat. Uh, he recently had an allergic reaction to Chipotle, so that has now been taken off the table for him. But his friends would go to Chipotle all the time if that was the place where he could eat, which is really, you know, he has a very kind group of boys. The other thing is, Will brings food with him wherever he goes. So if he's gone for the day, he takes a cooler in his car. We have containers that we've ordered that go into a microwave or an oven that have lids. So we pre-make meals, put them in the freezer, and he can grab one of those meals and put it in his cooler in his car if he's going to be gone for the day so he doesn't miss out on opportunities with friends. That was really something we focused on with him. We wanted him to be able to do whatever he wanted to do and to not allow this to set him back in any way. And so I said, 
my husband and I said, you know, you're going to be able to do all the things that other kids are doing. It's going to look a little bit different. And Will always wanted to be a part of meals with family, you know, going out with friends, doing travel soccer tournaments. And so uh, we made that work by just spending a lot of extra time in the kitchen, planning, prepping, making menus. And uh, oftentimes Will would eat the same foods, you know, over a weekend, over and over again, just so he could be a part of what was going on with his friends and his sports teams. So Will, what foods can you eat? I think my primary kind of base foods that I eat a lot are red beet for protein, like a lot of beef, sometimes lamb would do that, but you know, no chicken, no turkey, no seafood at all. That's, that's kind of my main source of protein. And then of course I do a lot of rice for carbs, a lot of rice. Yeah. There's a lot of things that are derived from rice, like rice pasta like rice protein powder somehow we put that in smoothies etc but you know you kind of have to get creative with um with the foods that you can eat you know so we've found a lot of ways to make make the same foods you know different or taste different or make it kind of exciting or something yeah so potatoes you know so you do mostly pork pork too yeah rice fruits and vegetables. So he, he has a very healthy diet. And, and a lot of times his coaches over the years have commented on that. They feel like his athletic performance has a lot to do with the yeah. way that he eats. He's not eating pizza before games and fast food after games. And so they have commented that they feel like that makes you a strong athlete. Laura, I want to ask, how did the family adjust? Now, you already had your younger son, Charlie, who had been diagnosed with this before Will was. Now, Will is diagnosed with seemingly a more severe version of EOE. How did everything change when he was 13 and this diagnosis came about for your family as a whole? Yes. Our younger son, Charlie, the only thing that he really avoids are soy and dairy. And so we were still able to go out to eat and uh, participate in more things socially that way. And for Will... Everything requires more planning. Everything is doable. It just takes a lot of time. So any type of any coming on vacation, we all have to sit down together and make a menu, plan, pack, talk about how we're going to get for these meals on an airplane. Oftentimes we drive so that we have the cooler in the back of the car. We have a bag called the food to go bag that we made that has a mini blender, a small skillet. We used a fishing tackle kit and loaded it with salt and pepper, olive oil, spins, utensils, uh, Ziploc bags, things where we could cook on the road. So every hotel room that we're in becomes to us a kitchen. And we cook on the desks and on the dressers. And you know. <laughs> uh, so it's really just become a part of, of what we do when we travel as a family. Will has an amazing older sister, Lily. But old, she's not older. She, I mean, old. she, she is his twin. She's not twin. Yeah, Will has an amazing sister, Lily, who is his twin, who is very uh, kind and compassionate and helpful. And I think it's created a closeness for our family. Everyone works together to get things done. We, we still want to be able to travel and do things. And so it just requires more time. And Will, you do a lot of this cooking yourself, don't you? I do. Uh, I think that's another positive thing about this whole thing. I've, I've learned to cook a lot of things, um, 
which is definitely not a common thing among teenage boys. So that's great, you know. <laughs> well, it's great on the grill. Talk about. I do. I love to grill because you know meat's such a big part of my diet. I have learned to be creative. We have ways to make you know unique ways to make ribs and steak, a lot of stuff like that. So, so uh, we'll have nights like Fridays or Saturdays, you know, where we'll we'll spend some time on the grill and just work on that a little bit. And I've gotten pretty good at it. So that's a that's a skill that I've acquired that I probably not, you know, would have would have had without this. So there's another positive aspect. Another positive aspect is being a patient of Nemours gastroenterologist Dr. James Franciosi, Division Chief of Gastroenterology at the Nemours Children's Hospital in Orlando. Dr. Franciosi, we met in Cincinnati at Cincinnati Children's Hospital when Charlie was initially diagnosed at nine months old. And one day we were there flying from Jacksonville to Cincinnati to see Dr. Franciosi, and he said, guess where I'm moving? And I was so excited to learn that he was moving to Orlando. And so we would no longer have to get on a plane and spend two days and a lot, lot of money to be able to see him. So that was very exciting when we found out he was moving to Nemours in Orlando. So we've known Dr. Franchosi for a very long time. And when we needed a gastroenterologist, we were excited that we had the relationship with him. He's very passionate about helping kids with ERE. And really excited, I think, about all of the things that are happening. Um, for a long time, there there were really not many options for children with EOE. And I would say in the past five years, so many things are changing. Um, doctors like Dr. Franchosi and Dr. Moji, um, who Will has worked with, just are really excited about the opportunities that are available and that are being developed in terms of the biologics, in terms of different types of testing. Dr. Franchisi brought the TNE, which is the transnasal endoscopy. Esophagoscopy. Esophagoscopy. Trans- Transnasal esophagoscopy. Yes. Uh, before, for kids who needed scopes to monitor the disease, you have to have an endoscopy every three months, like we were discussing earlier. You trial the food, and then you go into the OR. And for a child like Will, he was out of school, out of sports, uh, out of all his social activities for about two days because he had to have general anesthesia. And so with the TNE, which Dr. Franchesi had bought, brought to Nemours in Orlando, there is really no downtime. He misses a little bit of school. Uh, it takes about 15 minutes. It doesn't require any anesthesia. So Will's able to return to school, return to the soccer field, return to the social activities the same day. So that's really an amazing change in how EOE is followed in patients. It's a change that Nemours is among the first pediatric healthcare systems in the nation to embrace, putting the enterprise on the cutting edge of EOE treatment. So Nemours is definitely one of the first people to do this and making a big impact, you know, because you like she said, it's not ideal to go into the OR every three months or less. So it helps a lot. It's less expensive too for the hospital and the families. Is there's just a lot of advantages to it, and Nemours is is uh, one of the first ones to do that, and it's been really good for me. I know a, a lot of people after that is other children with EOE and their families. 
who are benefiting from both the work of Dr. Franciosi and his team to discover new ways to treat EOE, as well as the generosity of the Moore family, who are supporting his research efforts through the Nemours Grateful Patient and Family Philanthropy Program, and by volunteering their time to support others whose children are newly diagnosed with EOE. We get a lot of phone calls together by different people out of town locally who have either been just diagnosed with this disease or are in the process of possibly being diagnosed with the disease. And so Will and I together are able to sit with the moms and the children and talk and share. And Will has shared, you know, a lot of times you're in a really hard spot right now with what you're dealing with, but but things will get better. And so Will has a tremendous ability to move on and move on from situations like that. His 18th birthday party with 10 friends, you know, ending up in the ER instead of at the concert. And the next day he gets up and moves forward and it's just amazing. And so I encourage other families to, you know, to teach their children that there's possibility, that change is coming, that there are excellent people like the doctors we met at Nevoice who are willing to help and want to help and um, you know, just learning to navigate through those hard times. Laura and Will Moore live in Jacksonville, Florida. Will and his brother Charlie are both patients of Dr. James Franciosi, Division Chief of Gastroenterology at the Nemours Children's Hospital in Orlando. More to come as we look to have Dr. Franciosi on the podcast in the very near future to learn about the research he and his team are doing into EOE and how Will's EOE experience with Dr. Franciosi influenced his decision to go to college and pursue a pre-med track. Each Monday, a new episode of the Nemours Champions for Children podcast comes your way, and it highlights the work of Nemours associates like you for patient families like the Moors. Let us tell your Nemours story across the entirety of the enterprise. We do the interviews remotely, so let's set up a time that's convenient for you in the near future. Simply email podcast at nemours.org. That's podcast at nemours.org. Our production team this week includes Peter Adebi and Deborah Griffin. Our music is courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions in Turner's Falls, Massachusetts. The podcast is available on Nemours Net and the Nemours Now app, along with your favorite podcast app and your smart speaker. On behalf of Laura and Will Moore, I'm Carol Vassar, and we thank you for listening to this edition of the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. Until next time, please stay safe. Stay well and thank you for all you do for the children and families we serve. And happy Thanksgiving.